I'm gonna write to you, Joe. I want you to write back. I don't know if you ever knew it or you just forgot. The world's a beautiful place. No, it's not. Japanese have pretty much busted every code we've thrown at them. The Corps developed a new code based on the Navajo language. You're to pair with a code talker. Your job is to keep him alive so he can do his job. I'm Ben Yazi. It takes me two and a half minutes to do what used to take an hour. Orders finally came through. We ship out tomorrow morning. You seen any combat, Yazi? Looking forward to getting into some. How are you now? You're done good today, Ben. Uh, you never called me that before. Your mission is to protect the code at all costs. You understand me? Yes, sir. I do. Let's go! Think you could do it, Joe? Could you do it if you had to? If you got caught, the code would be useless. You just do what you're supposed to do. It's my responsibility! I can't let him take us. When this is over, you should come out to Navajo country. You can meet my son, and you can meet the guy who watched over daddy. Welcome to The Ravens, a movie and TV show podcast. I'm Dom. And I'm Simon. And tonight's movie for debate is Wind Talkers. So welcome to The Ravens, a movie and TV show podcast where it's always 10.30 at night. It's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move on upstairs and settle in as tonight's movie for debate is Wind Talkers. Oh! <gasps> But first, Simon, how are you, my very, 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 very good friend? I am very, 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 very well, thank you for asking. (laughs) How are you? Yeah, good, good. I'm pleased, always pleased to be here, for one, because I get to see your lovely little face. And we get to talk about films and stuff, and like other shit that we want to throw in at the same time, so it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. And looking forward to talking about this one. This was my first time viewing, so was there... An experience for sure. Yeah, we've we've done a so those that listen regularly will know that we've done a bit of a series of listening to new films, new to both of us or new to at least one of us. Uh, and I thought I'd kind of go with the same. So this was my choice of film, and you had messaged me last week and said I kind of need to know what film we're doing next week, meaning today. Um, what we're we gonna do because I need time to watch it over the weekend. Sometimes I have to watch it in stages and so on and so forth. And I was racking my brain. I was really, really thinking. And there were some things that crossed my mind. I thought, I don't think that's like the right film to choose for the podcast. Maybe not yet. Maybe we need to do that later down the line. Um, And 
it suddenly popped into my head. I thought I'm going to combine like the two joys of our lives. I <laughs> really enjoy uh, history and war films in particular. And you love Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Absolutely. What a combination. <laughs> I don't know if Nicolas... Has Nicolas Cage done other war films? Oh, not, not that I'm aware of. Not that's coming to mind, though... There was a bit of a, a black hole of Nicolas Cage filmography period, right? From like, I don't know, 2007 to about two years ago, where, you know, the the era where he was doing movies to pay his tax deficit, right? And now that's all paid and he's got money in the bank and he's good and doing great movies again. But there's a lot in that period that I didn't see. And that's also not to say that he wasn't excellent in these movies. I'm sure he was, but there was a lot of like lower budget sort of B movies. So he might have done some war stuff within that, but nothing that springs to mind anyway. Yeah, nothing's immediately jumping out in my memories of him doing war films, but I'll have a look, you know. And obviously Cameron Poe was a, was he was a Marine, some sort of Marine, I think as well. He, yeah, yeah, which we've covered on this podcast early days, definitely Absolutely. early in the in the run. And I haven't seen it for a long time, but in The Rock, was he some sort of ex-military in that or was it Sean Connery was ex-military? There was something military going on in that. Sean Connery was SAS, ex-SAS and had been in prison for a long time. He was an analyst or like FBI analyst or something like that. Nicolas Cage, I mean. And then it was the, it was Ed Harris and his team that were like Marines, weren't they? And they were like, right. we want money for our families and the families of our fallen comrades. That's it. What a great film. We have to do that one day as well. That's a I, good yeah, one. I haven't seen it in ages as well. It'll be, mm. it'll be a good one to revisit for sure. That's another one that when it's on TV, my dad will watch it. Like regardless Thanks. of like what's going on. He's seen it. He could have watched it yesterday or watch it again the next day, you know. I love that. Simon, <laughs> <laughs> come and watch The Rock with me. Okay, <laughs> I reckon, I reckon you could just like appear at my house, and if it was on, just sit and watch it, and it'd just be silence the whole way through. I mean, he probably wouldn't say he might like laugh at certain bits, but he'd just watch it in silence with you and wouldn't and care. Just wouldn't engage me at all. No, no I'd just no, be like, like, "Can I have some R White's lemonade, please?" <laughs> in the fridge. Yeah, he'd ask reference. you if you want tea and you'd say i don't drink tea i know you're like experimenting with tea or have been but you might say i don't drink tea or i don't want tea and you don't want tea simon what the <laughs> bloody i'd be upset with you <laughs> <laughs> but my whole childhood well i guess your whole childhood but my childhood of visiting and going over to your house there was always r white's branded lemonade and it is just like the most delicious lemonade but that is what i always associate it to very yeah. sugary i bought some like a few years ago to be like nostalgic and had some and was like oh that's a little <laughs> bit more than sprite i mean i know <laughs> i know sprite's got lime in it please save your comments i know it's not straight up lemonade but i don't know if r white's lemonade is international is that a british thing is that is that also overseas let us know in the comments please i think it's a uk brand but i'm not sure do you ever have the lollies Oh, White's lollies. I've had them, yeah. It's just amazing. They are the, they're honestly so good. Have three or four of them in a go. 
Bosh. Who who's drinking the lemonade in that house? Is it everybody or is it like your dad's thing or your mum's thing? Uh both yeah, everybody. Everybody's having some. My my mum will have a glass that is like tiny. Like with a tiny amount. So my mum will have a really small glass that's like you know, you get like a I don't know, like a tumbler. It's smaller than a tumbler. And then she'll half fill it and have lemonade. And my dad normally has uh, lemonade in his you know, like a beer. Like a pint like glass a, type thing. Or one yeah, with like, is it one with like a handle? No, no, no. He's got like a you know, like the old Stella glasses with yeah, the little yeah. like wine glass bottom bit. He's got like one of them. I don't it's not Stella, I can't remember what brand like it is. Sam, he used like to a have Sam Stella Miguel one. type. I, I know what you mean. Like Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Exactly. And he'll nice. you know, put some beer in that and then some lemonade on top. A little shandy, you oh, know. Oh, a little yeah, a little lager top. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And then when I'm there, I just drink the lemonade neat, you know? Straight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on the rocks, just as it is. There you go. Well, as fun as it has been talking about lemonade, <laughs> we're here to talk about wind talkers. So I think I think with this, we don't necessarily need to go through the plot of the film. Hopefully people that are listening have seen it. So we can kind of pick out bits and characters and stuff as we go through. Yeah, absolutely. But can I know I obviously have no history with this film. Um, well, I will just say one brief quick thing. But I want to hear your history is the point I wanted to get to because you obviously have seen this before. Uh, but I did remember I worked in Blockbuster when I was a student. So I can remember so many different like DVD boxes and, and the artwork for it. And it's one that I've considered watching loads of times. But war films really aren't my thing but saying that the war films that i've seen via you for the podcast saving private ryan wasn't for the podcast or a film but watching band of brothers as well like uh, and then other films i've seen in the more recent years like 1917 like i i really do enjoy these movies um so mm. i really should maybe seek them out a little bit more though they are hard to watch um because of the nature of what's happening but yeah, I just never, I just never got to it. But what's your history with it? Like, when was the first time you watched it? Is it something you hold in high regard? Obviously, you have such a repertoire of war movies that you love. Like, I'm also interested in how it ranks for you. Well, I've got to be honest, and I'll be honest right from the top. I've only seen this a few times, so a handful of times, like more than twice, but not more than five. So literally just, okay. I'm in that, I'm in that bracket. An actual um, handful, right? An actual handful. Yeah, literally that. So um, I'm in that bracket and it's not uh, like a great war film. Uh, it's not like necessarily like highly regarded, but I, I thought, you know, one, it has Nick Cage in it and you love him. The cast is also pretty good that they have. Um, and I think it's got a good blend of like different stuff that's going on a few like obviously you've got the historical side of it and uh like the factual side of it but you've also got the like a bit like quite a good storyline i thought running through it um but it's not it's not like the most fantastic film like if, if you can i consider private ryan a 10 saving private ryan is a 10 um and this doesn't get close to that in my opinion um but it's a good film it's a good film. i thought it would be a nice watch i thought it'd be good for us to talk about uh, and kind of see kind of really your thoughts on it as much as possible like because again like the war 
film kind of genre isn't your bag, isn't your cup of tea. I, I nearly picked The Thin Red Line, uh, and that's really brutal. I mean, it's like okay. uh, uh, one film that I'd love to cover with you as well as Hacksaw Ridge, because it's also oh, a... I've seen that. I like you've that You've seen one. it. It's yeah, a yeah. really good film. It's a true story as well. It's like, it, it's amazing. Honestly, it's such a like really, really good film, like Andrew Garfield as well. It's a brilliant job in that film. So that would be a good one to, to cover and talk about. But just all of them, just so brutal because, you know, it's war and this is what happened. And yeah, scary times. But yeah, that's, that's kind of, you know, it for my history with it. I can't remember when I first watched it, but it is a film that is on tv occasionally every now and then you know when they do the nicholas cage kind of like film for we'll do a nicholas cage series and this will be one of the films that they tend to put on so yeah i've watched it a few times from there and did i also didn't know until after i'd watched it i then i didn't google anything or anything like that before watching it i like to go in as blind as possible but afterwards did a little bit of googling to you know find out a bit more about the cast and the, the creation process and did you know about all of the issues with it like in that so it was a major flop for the um for the studio they lost over 70 million dollars like lost john woo <laughs> right well and okay so firstly i was so excited as the opening credits were coming up so as so i said going in blind i see john woo as the director i was like pardon the pun i was like woohoo you know yeah, like so yes you'd love a bit of bulletproof monk don't you i thought you'd love this <laughs> well fate face off of course john woo nicholas kate broken arrow john travolta yeah. christian slater who's obviously in this um you know, and one of my dad's favorite all-time films is Hard Boiled, um, which I've never seen, but that's why he was so excited when uh, when Face Off came out because he was like, "Oh wow, John Woo's like coming to Hollywood and it's going to be this whole thing." He did Mission Impossible Two as well, I think, right? Yeah. Like he did. Yeah, he's kind of known for these action movies in a certain style, but this was supposed to be his dramatic change, like his his go at a, a dramatic film, and this was supposed to be bait for the oscars and he did uh, a whole cut of the movie that was like an extra half an hour longer than what the cut is that we currently have that he said the studio removed and that extra half an hour had all of the gravity of the storyline in it like more <laughs> about like the navajo you know native americans and how all of that history worked and basically just gr giving more gravitas to uh, the story and what was happening uh, and this was like part of why he left Hollywood um, because he was like they don't get they're not giving me any chances they're just mm. pigeonholing me into doing these action movies um, so yeah so there was that and then I also read but this was on IMDB trivia and IMDB trivia is like Wikipedia like anybody can add to it so oh, you don't I just know it <laughs> <laughs> Tom's saying that because we have our own IMDb page <laughs> of the podcast that uh, a couple of our ravens have uh, graciously added some trivia to. But so because of that, you can only take what's on there with with a pinch of salt. But someone that is written on there, or it was written on there that Nicolas Cage was so dedicated to this film that he learned and was able to fluently speak in like the navajo language 
Um, to which John Woo was like, you don't understand your character. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, basically for saying that he didn't think Nicolas Cage understood the... uh, Basically understood his character. So that's what I felt. It's like, I can't imagine that to be true because I know that they had a really good working relationship. And not to say that they didn't on this, but like I'm sure that Nicolas Cage would have a good grasp on his character and it felt like he did uh, like i thought the dynamics between like the the relationship with him and ben was really good obviously we'll, t- we'll talk more about that but the final part of and i tried looking for interviews of john woo and nicholas cage talking about it from a today perspective looking back and i couldn't find anything uh, it mm-hmm. was only interviews from then but the final thing was that this was shot. It came out in 2002. It was shot in the year 2000 uh, and was meant to be coming out the year uh, in October of 2001. But because of 9-11, they delayed it and pushed it back. Um, and then, and maybe that might have had something to do with some of the recuts as well. Um, like, I'm not know? like... Do you Just know that's exactly the same as Band of Brothers? Band of Brothers was meant to come out um, uh, on exactly when nine eleven happened. Oh, really? Like so it's literally, you... literally meant to come out then and there, and they went. We, you, you, HBI went. Nope, we're not. We're not putting it out. So then, like Tom Hanks, Spielberg, all the people involved are like, "Well, when's it coming out?" Like, and they're like, "We don't know. It's just been pushed. It's been pushed." And then they had to like kind of fight to get it, get it out there. So I'm, I'm not surprised with this film as well. Right, and are we thinking it's just because nine eleven the event incited a war, um, and it's like, well, we're not going to put things out that, even though it's about a historical war, it just doesn't feel appropriate to, you know, be putting that content out. Is that? Is yeah, that I, I think if you've got something that reflects a a, a situation like that, where it's just, um, kind of sensitive to you know people of that nation i guess it's sensitive to american people because it was so impactful and you know such a huge disaster uh, uh, and point in history that to then put out like war stuff it just seems inappropriate and i, I kind of understand that i kind of get that i think okay we're not gonna mm. show any of that we'll just we'll just we'll can it for a little while and, and move it on later down the line um so it, that kind of makes sense to me. I think. I think. Yeah. It's just that whole, um, the the kind of experience of it as well as like there's people, you know, in New York who have gone through this disaster, and then you're watching a film about people that have gone through disaster, and like it mm. can, I guess, drum up, um, you know, bad memories and stuff for people, and remind them of situations that they, you know, didn't want to be in. Yeah, definitely, definitely best best to air on the side of caution for sure um well the the only other thing with this movie was that about 30 minutes into it i paused it and started sending you voice notes because (laughs) uh to my own i don't know density i guess with history i was really kind of unfamiliar with the the situation and the build-up to why there was conflict between uh Americans and the Japanese like I knew that Pearl Harbor had happened and I know that I knew obviously that 
the atomic bomb was dropped as well from America, but I didn't really know the build-up and the reasons in between. I mean, I'd like to blame that on the British education system. I don't think I can, but I mean, our, our history in primary school for us was about Tudors uh, and the Romans and then about World War Two. And then when I got to secondary school, our history was about the Tudors um and world war Two, and then that was and then that was it i didn't do history past year nine and then the rest of my history has been from the internet movies and experiences but i yeah i really didn't know much about it to my own ignorance i guess but you and so i asked you and i feel quite well informed now uh, and you gave me just a couple two minute voice notes just giving me a basic outline uh, and then it made so much more sense and context for the rest of the movie uh, but maybe if there's anybody else out there that also doesn't know some of that stuff like do you feel comfortable sharing because i think what the sort of thing that you shared with me about some of the build-up to this because obviously i know you're into history but you also had a really good way of uh explaining it um and i think it's just interesting as well as sad as as it is of course yeah, I, I can give a little bit of context, I think. Uh, you know, I'm not a historian and I'm not an expert, so I'll do my best. Uh, there may be some details that are wrong, but um, kind of one of the things you asked is how how, how was Japan involved? Uh, you know, and it was kind of not understanding the Japanese connection and what that's got to do with, like, Germany and Hitler and, and, and kind of all of that at the time. And uh, the, the Japanese and the... Uh, Germans actually had a like a treaty between them um, so they were part of the like the Axis forces so you had kind of had the Germans the Italians uh, and the Japanese and like a smattering of others uh, and originally the Russians but then the Russians changed and they swapped sides and they ended up attacking Russia uh, and it was all sorts of nonsense happening over there um, but the Japanese yeah did have a, have a treaty with, with the Germans and um, were very much kind of involved so they were invading china and i think uh korea and like surrounding areas in the in in asia uh surrounding countries sorry in asia and were very much becoming the dominant force uh, like from that side as the germans were kind of becoming the dominant force across europe um and the america so the the, the english have been trying to or the the uk and british have been trying to get uh, so many different names for us, isn't it? So the British should be trying to get the Americans involved in the war, and we're basically saying you, you can help us. Um, you know, you've got to you've got to join this war. You've got to help us stop what's happening in Europe. Um, obviously, there's a lot of you, and you can really help us out. Um, and there were lots and lots of people like protesting, and um, I, you can even see like record like. Um, kind of film recordings like newsreels and stuff like that from that time of people saying it's not my war it's not my you know i'm not from europe why the hell would we get involved in that war it's nothing to do with us um uh, so the americans the president at the time was saying look we're not going to get involved in the war because like the, the kind of the people have spoken and this is nothing to do with us but what we can do is provide you with you know weapons and ammunition and we can you know make tanks for you or, or whatever so they were doing that and supplying weapons and armor, armory and stuff. Um, and then in 1941, so bear in mind the the the, the war, uh, although Germany had been kind of invading countries, kind of I think since like 
1938, early 39. The war for this kind of recognized as starting in 1939. And then uh, the US um, Pearl Harbor was attacked in 1941 by the Japanese. So the Japanese were coming the other way this time. So there's like hundreds of little islands between Japan and, and the States, including Hawaii. And obviously Hawaii being US territory. Um, they decided to kind of start taking the islands and then attacked Hawaii. Um, and that is literally dragged the US into the war. So the US then kind of went, okay, so we've got to fight a war on two fronts. We need to go to Europe and we need to go into the Pacific. And as they travelled across the Pacific, all the little islands that the, the Japanese had been taking. So we saw in this film, uh, it started on the Solomon Islands and then it was on the another set of islands like towards the end, like the second half of the film. Um, so when Nicolas Cage gets his injury, he's on the Solomon Islands like at the beginning when all his other fellow soldiers and Marines are getting killed. And then later on, they're on a different group of Pacific islands. But what the Americans were doing is like taking the islands back bit by bit so they'd get further and further out and, and win their islands back and push the Japanese back to Japan. Um... And that's kind of kind of it, really. And that's kind of the premise of this film. This is just what I think it was f set in 42, 1942. Um, I think it said at the beginning. Um, and yeah, the kind of in those specific islands doing what they need to do and trying to win them back, I guess, from from the Japanese. Yeah, uh, it's, su it's super interesting. And and then, so that those elements I didn't know. And then, I obviously, this is based on a true story or on true events. And that's that they had this code, right, to be able to use on the, the radios to give coordinates to where to, like, you know, send the air bombings or the airplanes or, or whatever. And then they were using the Navajo Native Americans to use their language because I'm guessing the Japanese would, would just, it's not like there would be a book on that. They couldn't Google it and Google translate. Right. So, <laughs> but it came with this horrible, uh, point of that. If the Navajo native Americans were captured, that you had to kill them or the Americans mm. would have to kill them so that the code would never be broken, which was an unknown part to the native americans and then you've also got this like racism and oppression towards the native americans um yeah so but it, it's and i guess the film shows the camaraderie that builds through it with christian slater uh playing the harmonica with the guy that's playing like his wind instrument and Obviously, between Nicolas Cage, his character, and uh, and Ben, that is, I thought it's a really good. I mean, obviously, it's a real event, but it's a really good premise for a film and really interesting, like texture to to get into. Um, yeah, I I I think it's. I enjoyed it. I I know I can see <laughs> I can see that it's not like the best war film of all time, and there are some kind of a bit more 
ridiculous action elements to it that are not the same as like a saving private ryan and it must be difficult to you've had like one of the best war films ever made like at this when did saving private ryan come out 98 98 yeah and so this was filmed in 2000 so you're two years after one of the greatest (laughs) war films of all time made by maybe the the greatest director of all time is steven spielberg (laughs) it's pretty difficult to come in and and try and top that isn't it oh absolutely definitely i mean i i think i think it's going to be difficult for any film uh to top it like in my eyes especially but you know just for it being that that film was so groundbreaking it was like the first to do what it did and then you you kind of see the rest sort of follow suit so seeing things from the the eyes of the soldiers and running around and cameras shaking and stuff because it looks like they're running and getting hit and all sorts so yeah it's crazy but this film kind of does that a little bit and emulates it a bit but you're absolutely right how you know it's like the tough second act isn't it or that tough second album that tough second everything it's just it's never gonna never really gonna compare to that that first uh, but it was a good effort I thought it was a good effort and you know I, I really enjoyed all the facts that that you said before because that's really interesting like i'm not i kind of not surprised at the loss but i am surprised at the the amount that was cut out of it and john woo kind of saying well enough's enough i've i've tried that this was all like the really like heartfelt like good stuff and the meaty kind of chunks of the film and the the you know the studios removed it and that's just that's crazy um one thing i will say about the 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 the, the reason they had um Navajo Native Americans and they also used other Native American kind of tribes people as um wind, like what well it's called wind talkers but they're code talkers is because um the Navajo language in particular has never been written down there's there's no written re- record of it um I mean there might be now <laughs> but there certainly wasn't then so um, some of the words that, you know, when they're doing like the, the tank thing and they're deciding what to call the tank, like, and it, it's kind of like, guess what you would call this? And it's like, I would call it like the slow tortoise or mechanical tortoise or whatever. It's because they didn't have a word for tank. So it's just like what made sense to, to them so that they could then translate and, you know, explain things to each other through their own language. Like, I think I read one thing about submarine. They didn't have a word for submarine. So they called it an iron fish. And it translated directly as iron fish. So, um, it, you know, it, it's really interesting. And the element of them, like, if they get caught, they have to kill them because, you know, they'll be... Um, the Japanese cannot crack this code. And the code was never never broken. Yeah. Um, uh, and they, they, they can't crack it because um, they don't have any any point of reference there's no point of reference for, for that language so there's absolutely no way that they could have someone figure it out just by listening to it um which is amazing like is like what such a like such a great contribution and a, and a great idea that someone's gone you know what these guys they speak a a certain language that no one's going to be able to understand so let's let's you know utilize that i think it's clever yeah, it was. And when I saw so that fact comes up at the end of the film to say that the code was never broken, I thought, yeah, that's awesome. And then I thought, oh, wait. <laughs> like, yeah, that's cool. But how many Native Americans then got killed, you know, before they could be um, 
you know taken as a taken capture um but yeah i mean yeah it's brutal man like the let's see i'm gonna get the character's name right um what is his name i'm trying to the okay charlie whitehorse yes charlie whitehorse um it's so brutal man when nicholas cage has to he throws the grenade at him, but he kind of gives him the nod, doesn't he? Charlie Whitehorse of saying like he knows he's going to have to do it. Um, and I don't know if that's also maybe that he's thinking that also they're going to kill me anyway, maybe like once if they get the information out of me, like I've kind of at that point I thought, Oh, is he giving him the nods that he's going to throw the grenade and he can quickly like push them off of him and then like make a dive for it. Like I was hoping that he was going to, get out somehow that's like one of them ones where i was watching it like like this with my hands behind my head that's like the simon version of turtling i don't know what you'd call this <laughs> just like i don't know but it's like no charlie whitehorse you you want you want him and you want um uh christian's latest character to survive because they're, they're they're like the, the the kind of best combo aren't they what the fuck when his head got cut off yeah. Christian say his head got cut off. Like what I did appreciate about it is, well, it came out in two thousand two, but shot in two thousand. I like that we had okay, we had a flash of his head. We barely saw it. It was a quick. <laughs> it was enough to be like no. But if this was by today's standards, it would be a zoom in. You'd see the juggler still like squirting blood <laughs> out and whatever. It's like you don't need that level of detail. It's actually better to just sparingly show it. But yeah, oh man, they were playing harmonica and the wind instrument together and they'd finally worked a way to make that shit sound good. Uh, Christian Christian Slater, I I really enjoy the way he talks, just full stop. I really really wanted him to look at the camera and go, welcome to Saber. (laughs) (laughs) Dundaniff then's a part of sabre sabre <laughs> yeah that's so good how do you feel about christian slater in general i think this is the first time we've covered a movie that he's in isn't it yeah i uh i think he's quite versatile he you know he's he's pretty he seems pretty decent um i quite like what he does i, I think he, he's probably one of those actors that gets a lot of stick for for no re- no real reason but he's okay um and he does it all right you know uh, i think that there's quite a similar makeup for films like in this genre and films of this type as well where you have a culture of people that are, are different to your kind of regular you know marines or your gis or whatever you know you've got um you know in this case we've got uh, uh, navajo native americans that are joining a unit of kind of white soldiers essentially and you always have the same kind of let's call it like genetic makeup of a film of this type. You have the one that's really um, inclusive and understanding, which is Christian Slater. You have the one that's completely indifferent and couldn't give a shit who you are, which is Nicolas Cage. And then you have the one that's extremely racist and hates you more than the enemy, uh, which was um, Noah Emmerich. Truman's best friend. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Him. (laughs) Private chick um and you know but but they eventually then have that realization like oh okay we're on the same side and you know they'll look out for me and they're kind of my brother you know because they'll save me and charlie whitehall saves him you know he's got Mm. you know japanese soldier coming up right behind him is gonna you know 
stab him with his bayonet or if he had his his sword um and he throws his knife his knife goes and goes straight into his chest and he saves his life and it's kind of those moments where it's like there's a deep look just past the camera and he's looking at Charlie Whitehorse and he's like, I accept you now, you know. And mm-hmm. then he has that conversation later on, doesn't he, when they, they kind of end up in a minefield. And it's like, I, you know, maybe we could be friends one day. Or, or no, I think it's later on, sorry. He's like, maybe we could be, we could have been friends or 50 more, 50 more years and, we're, you know, mm-hmm. this would be happening, that would be happening. So it's, it's, quite, a, it's quite a common theme in, in films like this yeah. um, to kind of set it up that way and have one that's really accepting one that's indifferent and just hates everyone because they hate themselves the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one that is just so racist and just you want that person to die first and they inevitably live. <laughs> he, Yeah, he was horrible. Um, but yeah, he did have those sort of redeeming moments or it seemed like he had been on a character journey and had learned. Uh, and he kind of came to the rescue at the end, right? Like he was sort of came out and was shooting while... Nicholas Cage and Ben were trying to get out and obviously we know it leads to um Nicholas Cage's demise which oh, I was so sad about but I kind of figured this was going to be happening from the beginning because he couldn't get over what happened to him at the beginning of the film where his unit had basically he was the only survivor right He'd basically been destroyed and there was some brutal stuff happening there too and he uh, suffered with the hearing loss in, in one ear. I thought it was quite clever when he faked his way past the hearing test with his friend that was like giving him the thumbs up behind the guy's back to, to help him get through. I thought that might play a bigger part in what was happening. I know it came up every like here and there with him sort of Ben realizing he couldn't hear him, you know, so well on one ear and, and whatever. But I thought that might come into play more later. Like did did you? Did you think there was gonna be more with that? Yeah, I definitely thought there'd be like more surrounding it, like he's missed an instruction or he's not quite got it because he's deaf in that ear. But it just it sort of they went down the road of um kind of shell shock really, didn't they? And post-traumatic stress and stuff so he's kind of seeing all those things happening again like with the fans spinning around when they're in that briefing um and he just gets worse and worse and goes out and he's like being sick and and all sorts and you just sort of think you know that that makes sense that's understandable but yeah there was big scar and his ear was obviously messed up but there's no nothing more to it except for when the japanese soldier slaps him in the ear like proper like backhands him in the ear and he's like screaming ah I don't really understand why there's like six Japanese soldiers around him and not one of them decided to kill him. <laughs> that, that was a bit of a shock. Is it, it? <laughs> is, is this the bit where he got Ben to dress up in the Japanese soldier's outfit? I yeah, All yeah. of that was really like, what? Like, like entertaining in the, oh, this is crazy. Um, but, but it worked out. And it was also interesting that Ben was reluctant to to kill anybody it's like almost like that's not what he was there for you know he's there, mm. i'm there to do the code and whatever but by the end he was he was fully in yeah he'd sort of lost it i think it's because charlie gets killed yeah and charlie had been killed by by joe by by nicholas cage's character it was like well the, what's the point there's just no point and he's just fully like kind of lost it Murking um, people yeah absolutely one thing that really gets me in this film is 
um there's mention of there's mention of them like we're low on ammo we haven't got much ammo but Nicolas Cage doesn't reload his weapon once. <laughs> and it's just like, brrr, like continuously shooting. I was like, this gun has unlimited ammo. It doesn't stop. He's done like the Grand Theft Auto cheats, you know, on like <laughs> PS2. It's just That's unlimited it. ammo. Unlimited. Yeah. And he was just like spraying people like left and right. Um, yeah. Is like the ultimate, the ultimate soldier. <laughs> but yeah, I think, to your point, I think Nicolas Cage played the PTSD really well. And when he's like, really, he plays drunk really well, which we've commented before in other films and in One Tree Hill, maybe, probably. That <laughs> it's hard to play drunk convincingly. Convincingly, yeah. And he, play, he played it well, like when he's in there, in sort of the grave site where they've buried uh, the soldiers that have passed and... Yeah, and and Ben's trying to sort of do the sort of spiritual, um, I don't know what you'd call it, practice or whatever, like, the, you know, the sort of Navajo traditions. And he's resisting it, Nicolas Cage's character, like the whole time, isn't he? Um, and does he come around to it in the end a little bit? Well, the, there's kind of one realization where, like, he grabs his arm, doesn't he, and says, "I'm not that drunk or whatever. Why are you doing that mm-hmm. kind of crap on me?" And he, he, because he, he talks about the ash on his head beforehand, and that he puts the cigarette ash on him, and it's kind of like to kind of protect him, or uh, you know. And and there's one bit where the colonel turns up, the colonel yeah, appears yeah. after after they've buried, just after they've buried all their friends, and. He gets his medal. He gets his silver star medal, which is like quite a high honor. It's, you know, it's it's a it's an important thing. Gets his medal and he gives it away and says, "Send that to the the other person's wife." Uh, he tells Mark Ruffalo. Mark, I was I forgot Mark Ruffalo was in it. It was a surprise. And Peter yeah. Stormare as well. Ah. Seeing both of them. Prison break. I say, your main man. Armageddon. Um, <laughs> and gives yeah gives away the the medal straight away but when he says like not all thanks is for me some of it is for private ben someone and someone and it, and it says oh yeah you you know he he says his kind of generic racist term and he says actually sir they're navajo from this and mm-hmm. tells them the tribe and tells them everything and i think that's kind of a point of change like we're starting to understand each other now and that indifferent person is always swayed in the opposite direction as well in, in these kinds of films. They're always like, I understand you a bit better now. And, you know, you kind of understand me and we have a, a mutual respect of each other. And I think that's the point of showing it. Then he does the drunk thing. And then it's kind of beyond that when he really doesn't want to kill Ben. Really doesn't want to do it. Oh, yeah. Um, he, well, he's not going to, is he? Like, that's sort of the bit at the end where he's like, no, you know, you're my friend now. That's it. But and the... The, yeah, the, the bit with um, where he's getting the medal, I thought, oh, he's going to say what he said, like say, hey, it wasn't just me, it was, you know, it's Ben. He's the one that, that risked everything, really. Well, they both did. And I thought, oh, he's going to reach into his pocket and pull out another one, like another yeah. star, and give it to him. I was like, it's a fucking piece of Fred, you know, <laughs> it's a fucking badge. Just give him it, man. And then I thought, okay, he's not going to do that. Then I thought, well, Joe is going to give him his one. I thought, and then he gave it to you know, yeah, like you said, Mark Ruffalo's character to send to the guy's wife, and I thought, okay, well, 
equally a good move you know i knew but i knew he wasn't going to keep it or that it doesn't mean anything to him because of yeah. what he's been through and i kind of figured because he wasn't able to get over what happened at the beginning that he's going to end up sacrificing himself or i thought could we get the happy ending where he actually does go back um you know to america you know after the war's finished with Ben and he does go and meet Ben's fa- family and his son George Washington right mm-hmm. um and we do get that moment but you know not meant to be but we do get the moment where they're honoring him at the end right like Ben's family are honoring him yeah just to just to jump back to the medal he's he says that it's the second one he's had it's his second silver mm. star um again the first one was for what we see at the beginning of the film and he says he he threw it into the ocean and ben says to him what did you get it for and he said not dying what what did you think of that moment yeah i thought it's brutal man <laughs> like he just got it for surviving uh and because ben also reiterates to him that you were just following orders because he was saying that they should have retreated or run or whatever but yeah he was he was just following he was just following orders yeah what did you think uh yeah i just thought it was like that's just nuts isn't it it's just crazy i'm just trying to work out how old nicholas cage was at the time i already worked it out he was our age was he so he's 35 at the time or like (laughs) uh, we're 36 36 yeah whatever i was like are we 35 (laughs) (laughs) amazing (laughs) i got this wrong (laughs) Did did you know this happened to Ephany? She thought she was a whole year older for an entire year. Oh, gosh. Like, she just didn't really think about it too deep. And then it was like... (laughs) I think it was from 35 to 36. And I think maybe because... Anyway. But, yeah. uh, He was basically our age. And that's what I kept thinking. Like, when he was running running at the beginning on the beach and things, I was thinking, I wonder how old he is. And I was like, oh, it's our age. I guess... I guess I could be running on a beach then. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's mad as well though is that he is probably about twice the age of uh, an actual marine of that time. Like oh. if you think they would have been they would have been let's say 18 to 25 and he's 35 to 38 in that kind of time frame mm. isn't he? So yeah, crazy. So we would have been too, if World War Two was happening now, we would have been too old to be drafted. Uh, no, probably not too old to go, but um, for the most part, they're all pretty young. Would we maybe be like the cooks or something? <laughs> like, like the seasoned seasoned soldiers. <laughs> we're like, they don't, don't risk us on the front line in case we get a <laughs> stitch or something. <laughs> Excuse me, can I have a timeout? I've pulled a hamstring. Uh, uh, all joking aside, the, all of the the fighting and the war stuff is so brutal. It's just making me. It was making me think. Well, this is less than a hundred years ago. You know, this is like eighty odd years ago. It's not even that long, is it? Like we're talking a couple generations back, and people is so brutal and senseless. Like regardless of the point i know that people you know people were fighting for freedom i'm not trying to say that that is senseless but i just mean senseless that there would be any violence upon anyone at any time for any reason there's nothing that couldn't be sorted with just words you know um 
horrible horrendous what people had to go through and obviously have nothing but my utmost respect uh, and appreciation i just couldn't even imagine like going through anything like that just terrifying isn't it absolutely terrifying and then it's still happening yeah, it still happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that I think that West, what we was saying in our voice notes is that you know we think well, this was so long ago, but then you think well, what's happening in Israel and Palestine right now, and with Ukraine and Russia, and there's always conflicts happening somewhere around the world where people are still fighting for their lives and in danger and civilians, uh, you know, being killed. It's it's really sad. It's horrible, yeah, horrible. But they they kind of thought that the first world war would be the war to end all wars. Then there was the second world war, and they thought that would kind of be it. And then it just goes on and on and on and on and on. It doesn't it doesn't end, you know. It's crazy because there's always going to be someone who wants something that doesn't belong to them. Isn't it? mm-hmm. it's, it's all greed related, and then it creates problems and it escalates and goes from there. So yeah, it's a shame. It's hard. Definitely. Well, what did we think of? Well, are there there other points that we should that we haven't touched on, like bigger pieces? Oh, uh, this was filmed in Kualu Ranch in Hawaii, and I've been there. Um, like when F and I went to Hawaii, we went to this ranch. I particularly wanted to go because Lost was filmed there, but they mm. call it uh, America's back lot where basically any time they need anything that looks tropical or looks like, you know, a, a different tropical country, they go to Hawaii because they don't need any different visas or anything because it still counts as America. And it's such a... Once you notice it, then you just see it in every film like that. There's this particular shot. So they filmed Jurassic Park there, all the Jurassic Park films, like Jumanji, like the newer ones... Uh, this was filmed there, like so many other well, iconic uh, movies. But once I sort of saw that, I was like, oh, right. It's just, it's literally this one like valley. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. there it is. Uh, he can't like unsee it. <laughs> yeah, you now you it, can't, like... un- exactly. It's now like... <laughs> you can't unsee it. But I, but I wish I'd known or had seen the movie before going there because they also have this bit where they have different rooms and they have all different props and stuff from movies that have been there. Uh, so they have a room of lost stuff. We can talk about that when Ooh. I was so hyped. I was just running around touching everything because <laughs> people weren't <laughs> that interested. Like as in people, we were on a tour and there was like the King Kong room. There was the what Jumanji room, the whatever. And then there was the lost room and no one like gave a shit and I was just in there and it's got all stuff that was actually used like and I was just touching it all <laughs> I just wanted to touch <laughs> it all anyway but I wish I knew because um not that I would be going in there touching props and things but it would have just been this must have been a really expensive big production to do like a lot of the the shots like there must have been so many extras like background performers like it looked expensive. I, I watched the credits and the amount of stunt people was unbelievable. <laughs> I, I think they were the extras. They were the, you know, they were the, it was all stunt, stunt people. Crazy. And um, one thing we haven't touched on is uh, Rita, which is the, the woman that keeps sending him letters and helps him get through the hearing test. Um, and I have to say, I didn't enjoy the letters 
and the reading out of the letters over the things is like, ah, hi Joe, I, I miss you. I haven't heard from you. I found a stray dog. I took him in. Kind of reminds me of you, but he's cute. I was like, oh fuck, we <laughs> don't need this. Joe hates you. He's never going to reply, um, and he's moved on with his life. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, do you think that part like Joe's reluctant as well, right, to open the letters and receive them? Do you think part of that was because he was almost not like signing off or knowing he's going to die, but didn't care as much about living, and so if he was to be entangled with her then it would give him a reason to live and yeah have to face I, I, himself I, I think that's a really good way of, of putting it it's it, he it then um adds this element of hope doesn't it that he's going to get back and he's got something to live for and they're going to go off and have this happy life and kind of get to meet george washington and you know go and spend time with you know ben's home uh, and get to know them better and be the kind of lifelong friends. But, um, you know, I, I think you're right. He's just trying not to open that door and keep that closed. And I, I think the traumas of the past and his past, you know, the, the previous mission he was on, um, it, it is an element that's really bothering him where he's thinking, I just, I shouldn't have lived. And I think it's survivor's guilt. As, mm. you know as much as, as anything and he gets blamed doesn't he by the guy that's like holding on to him like damn you joe you know he's kind of because he was like left to be the one in charge and he's like we we've got orders and our orders are to hold this point and then everybody ends up dying and i, I think it's guilt more than anything it's like i kind of think i should have died in the solomon islands with that lot so maybe i'll die here um and yeah doesn't want to give her false hope but doesn't want to give himself false hope so yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Survivor's guilt is a really good way of putting it because that is exactly how it felt. And yeah, when it's not funny, but just like piling it on when the guy was that the guy that's like had his legs blown off as well or something that's like holding on to him saying, God damn it, Joe. It's like, it's like he knew that this situation was bad. The guy's just really cementing it in his face like, fuck you. You really <laughs> fucked this up. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I've got ten bullet holes in me, but this is your fault. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna really use my last breath to ensure <laughs> you know. I don't want to pass you a message to tell my wife. No, no, no. I want you to know that this is your fault. Let this ring out in your nightmares for the rest of your life. That's it. <laughs> what? Well, so did you? So, like I said, that this was meant to be poised as Oscar bait, for lack of a better term. Was there any part of it that, I mean, I know we didn't get to see the director's cut. and I wonder if it exists. Maybe it's on like a Blu-ray or something. That would be cool. But I, to my knowledge, I don't think it does. But is there any part of this that you think could have been worthy of a nomination? Obviously it didn't, but. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think I think there's potential in the storyline. I think if they were to remake it now. Um, and make it like a like a Hacksaw Ridge kind of film, like in the same sort of. Um, I mean, it was the same like scenario, obviously, but the same, maybe kind of direction, the same. Uh, uh, you know, maybe a slightly different caliber of acting. Dare I say? So let, let's say. So we're saying maybe this is one that's worth remaking, or re you know redoing. Who would you put? in those 
titular sort of characters that's always it's always a good question but i always really struggle with actors of now <laughs> or <laughs> young I mean? or younger actors the only actor i can think yeah. of male actor to go for Nicolas Cage or that I can think of that's younger is Tom Holland is the only person I know yeah. that's <laughs> let's go through all the Spider-Men there's Andrew Garfield right Tom Holland <laughs> they even Andrew Garfield must have aged out now well I guess he'd be our kind of age so but if we was to be going for, for younger yeah like I don't Tom even... Holland would be the perfect Christian Slater character yes he, yes. he would be perfect for Sergeant Pete uh, Anders was his name or Anderson yeah um, it'd be perfect Enders, for him Enders wasn't it maybe anyway e- yes. Enders was Nicolas Cage oh let's um, see I've got it here but it doesn't matter <laughs> Christian um, Slater Ox Henderson he- uh, there we go um, who would play Nicolas Cage the only other young actor I know is Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet he just yeah. does He's not going to do shit in a war, is he, Dom? <laughs> like, I know every woman, man, whoever, everybody loves him, but mm. he's not going to hold up in warfare. Yeah. Is it? It's just, yeah, I think strong gust of wind and he'll fly away, as uh, yeah. Philip Wang once said. Um, well, yeah, people, let us, people let us know in the comments, like, if you have any... If we were to make it today, you know, who, who would cast it, but... Yeah, I mean, or who you'd cast? But that's, should we should we talk about some some of our judgment? We we haven't really talked about Peter Stormare's character either. But there's the part when Joe wants to leave. He's like, "I'm done. I'm not doing this." And I think this is after he's uh, killed uh, Whitehorse, right? And that he doesn't Charlie Whitehorse, and he doesn't want to like him and Ben aren't getting along. And he's just like, "It's a war. You don't get to quit." That's it. And yeah, is he, what you don't is get he to choose? What, and what is he eating? Is like smoked heron or something? Some sort of like fish out of a jar <laughs> or something? <laughs> Pickled heron. Yeah. Pickled heron. Yeah. <laughs> it's just disgusting. Like, why are you eating that? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> he always plays these characters that are like just crazy or weird <laughs> or like you know, in Armageddon, he's like the crazy Russian in the space shuttle, yeah. right? And then. In Prison Break, he's like a mafia mob boss. And then in... uh, Where else do we know him from? Minority Report. Yeah, he's the guy that does the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just always plays weirdo. (laughs) He's a great weirdo, though. What what a great opportunity it would be if we got to speak to him. Uh, He's way above our our levels, isn't he? Let's make it our life's work. (laughs) (laughs) He's way beyond our levels. (laughs) But yeah, um, that would be awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, he he was a good character. I think he was like the the gunnery sergeant. There didn't appear to be any officers except for when the colonel appears. So they were calling him Gunny, and Gunny would be gunnery sergeant, which would be, you know, like the sergeant level of kind of a few sergeant levels above Nicholas Cage's character. Um, which means that he's probably in charge of the 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 kind of group of men. But there's usually an officer as well. You'd have like a lieutenant or a captain or a lieutenant over here. Um, so I, I didn't quite get that in the film, why they didn't really have any officers. But I guess they're just like... In the beginning, it's explained that, you know, our officer died and this sergeant's died because they were corporals. And then I was like the next 
kind of highest rank, so I, I took charge. And then he's made a sergeant, um, and then Peter Stormare is in charge, but doesn't doesn't isn't an officer. He's what he's called a non commissioned officer. So, yeah, I just found that a bit weird. Yeah, that's true. And uh, <laughs> there's one part we've spoken a bit about the resolve of it, but where the Americans are bombing themselves. Yes, I was like, no, what? No, <laughs> I was like, I didn't know if it was like a filming mistake. I was like, hang on a minute, have they edited that wrong? I was like, that's the American, and then they, I was like, I bet that must have blatantly happened. I was thinking quite a lot, like during some of the war scenes or the combat scenes, thinking I would hate to be in this situation because I'd blatantly accidentally like shoot my own guy in the back in front of me. Like as in this must be, that must have happened quite a lot. There's so much going on and crossfire. The people are accidentally killing people on their own side. Yeah, I, I mean, all the time. It happened all the time. Like, and it's miscommunication. It's misunderstanding. It's um, just not knowing who's where and, and when and when they're meant, you know, and where they're meant to be or people being in the wrong positions or lost um it's it happened all the time uh, and it's it's like do you remember in the um like more recent wars like in afghanistan and stuff it was like regularly reported that it was happening as well mm-hmm. and it was just people wrong place wrong time confusion uh and unfortunately yeah getting killed by friendly fire it's crazy crazy yeah and then one f- one other thought, just more of it in our podcast before we get to the judgments, is uh, do you know what would be an interesting sort of double feature for this, though not related in any way, just in that there's like military ranks and just to flip the genre. Do you think maybe next week we should cover Starship Troopers? <laughs> I can do if you want to. I just not relating them in any way, just more in that is when you were saying the highest ranked person here because that's what kept happening to Rico right was I haven't seen it for years <laughs> but it was just like he kept getting promoted because he was just the only one left right yeah <laughs> it's just like Rico you'll do right <laughs> it's kind of, but it, that's it I'm the only one here and then someone yeah, we can do s- s- someone showing Rico some titties in a tent that was the main thing I remember <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't choose them though titties i mean he doesn't kicks them out (laughs) does he have one no he has one one night right because then when she's dying isn't it she's like at least i had got to have you once yeah just nuts that film absolutely bonkers (laughs) can this be one i know because it's one that your dad really likes can this be one where if he's willing could you just record a voice note of him giving like what he thinks of the film just like one minute of just i will do my best to get a little recording out of him i think he they come like him and my mom come back from spain tomorrow um so when i pick him up i'll be like do you fancy uh giving a little couple of words about (laughs) or just ask him some questions just be like who's your favorite character like what's your favorite scene who's your you know i guarantee he he wouldn't be able to answer he wouldn't have answers He'd be like, uh. <laughs> if he had it on in front of him, he could tell you exactly what was going to happen and when. But if I asked him questions without the context of it being there and present, I think he would struggle to answer. But I will do my best to to get something out of him for it. 
Okay, well, people stay locked in. I mean, if you're happy to do that as the next film, it just could be quite a fun one. I will do that. I will do that. I've also, whilst we've been talking, I've been scrolling through a list of the top 100 actors um, in the world right now. uh, And there isn't one that has been uh, under 40 so far. Wow. (laughs) What does that say? Just our generation's the best and everything beneath sucks? Like, I literally, I don't think I've come across anyone. There might have been like a, no, I don't think anyone was in the 30s either. I think literally everyone was 40 or above. Yeah, wait, sorry, just random, and this is just completely off topic. Have you seen the Oscar nominations? No. Okay, have you seen Killers of the Flower Moon? I have not. Well, I just, well, I mean, it just it, it just connects to this slightly in that it's like broken records because I think her name's Lily gladstone uh, who's the the lead the female lead in kids of the flower moon is the first native american woman to be nominated for an oscar uh in the mm-hmm. leading actress role and she's amazing in it uh but uh robert de niro got nominated for best supporting actor martin scorsese got nominated for best director but our boy leo didn't get nominated and he's so good in it <laughs> The Academy just hate him, don't they? Why? Like, he <laughs> he plays a real C word, you know, that's yeah. the point of the film. Um, but he gives a great performance. Like, what the fuck? I don't know. They just don't like him. I don't Maybe he's wronged them in some way. But Ryan Gosling got nominated for Ken. <laughs> Which he gives, a, he gives a great performance in Barbie, but it's just like, come on, man, like... Throw Leo a nomination. Jeez. He had to get, like, beaten and half-eaten by a bear to win an Oscar, right? <laughs> Have you seen The Revenant? No. Oh, shit. Spoilers. <laughs> I don't, no, it's fine. Like, I, I'll be honest. that Like, Leonardo DiCaprio films don't always pique my interest, shall we say. Oh, really? I don't. Yeah, I'm not a, not a huge fan. Well, I was going to say we haven't covered one, but we did cover Titanic. Okay, that's... Titanic. A topic for a debate for another time. We'll, ha- either we'll have to cover one. Like You must like The Departed. Uh, I've only seen it the once. Ooh. I'd have to like watch it again. But Jack, um, Nichol- Jack Nicholson, Matt Damon. I, the film is good, yeah. But uh, like I said, Leo is not the one that I, I'd be watching it for. Ooh. Is it because he reminds you too much of me? And you don't want to see me in such you know dangerous situations that is exactly it i thought so (laughs) i found one actor that is 36 on the list his name is tyler hoechlin or hoechlin but he's in superman and lois which is actually really good series it was on bbc iplay you should give it a watch it's really good it's really good it's like lois and and him go back to smallville and live in the the farmhouse that he Mm. grew up in and they've got kids and stuff. It's really, I really enjoyed it. There's there's a couple of seasons on BBC iPlayer if you get a chance. Okay, we'll check that okay. out. But Don, before we give our judgments, I believe there's a message you wanted to tell the people. There's always a message that I've got somewhere, but if you enjoyed listening to this podcast... And how could you not? Then please... Rate, review, subscribe. You can find us on uh, ravensoups.net. That's our Patreon of all our wonderful goodies and extras and incentives 
to come on the podcast and talk about your favorite films with us so yeah where else can you find us simon on instagram at ravens podcast check us out on there we post on there sometimes so <laughs> but, you can, but you can message us through there as well as our patreon so yeah uh, thank you for listening dom give us your i guess it doesn't really mean much to you from a personal subjective point of view so give us your objective rating what would you give wind talkers out of 10 it's not a bad film but it's not a great film so uh and the historical context is pretty good i think overall it's probably a six from me um i think as a steady six uh, i'll leave that there what about you simon first time watcher well, firstly, I'll say thank you for picking it because I did enjoy it and though, you know, difficult to watch in parts, of course, but I thought it was a good film. It stayed with me like the next day or so, like I was thinking about it and uh, some of the scenes stuck with me and particularly the relationships between, you know, Ben and Joe and between Christian Slater's character and Charlie Whitehorse and all of it. I thought it's good. I think it did suffer because of saving private ryan being so good like if that didn't exist i mean obviously there's other great war films as well platoon and you know all the, all the others even parts of uh, forest gump have you have you picked have you ever seen platoon i saw it once at uni so like 15 16 maybe 17 years ago i i was gonna pick platoon and i thought it's a bit too much right now <laughs> we should do it another time but and then I considered Apocalypse Now, which is worse. So You're such a like, happy yeah. person. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you? So joyful. I'm out here wearing Happy Gilmore t-shirts, just trying to live my life. Just want me in war the whole time. Let's do Ace Ventura, Don. What do you <laughs> <Yeah>. want to do? <laughs> but no, you got to just pick them. Pick the ones you want, because they make for interesting conversation. Um, but yes, with all that being said... Uh, I enjoyed it. I could see how a more serious take at this could could have been a bit better. I also I think Nicolas Cage did a good did a good job, but I think you know if the if the rest of it was maybe a bit more sincere, well, it was sincere. I don't know. You know, some of the action was the action was good. I enjoyed it. I would give it a seven. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. I'd give it a seven. Nice. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think we'll call it there. Um, thank you so much for joining me, as always. Uh, it's always great to talk to you about films, and um, it's nice to talk about war films, something a bit different, which we don't do that often. I think we'll throw a few more in later down the line. How yeah. does that sound? Yeah, it sounds good, and I thank you for choosing it. I really enjoyed talking about it with you as well, of course. So, yeah, how are we going to get out of here? How are we going to Ravens chant out of this? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe just as ourselves. I I think you should do the best Nicolas Cage impression you can. I don't can't do from any any era of Nicolas Cage. I can't do impressions of Nicolas Cage. Do the face, and then you'll feel like you're Nicolas Cage. Like do the face off, like big smile face, and then just do Ravens on three, and we'll we'll jump we'll jump right in. I could eat a peach for hours. Perfect. I'm gonna eat a peach for hours on three. <laughs> peach. One, <laughs> two, three. Ravens. Ravens. <laughs>